You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hello, please let me see your ticket stubs for the double-edged double bill. This week we have a paranormal romance with a beastly ghost. Each week, Adam Thomas and Thomas Miron will come to the table to discuss the randomly selected yin and yang of a double feature. Then, both will have to pick a number between 1 and 10 in order to seal their fates for the next episode. One will have two good movies, the other two bad ones. Let the chaos begin. I am your Frankenskank, Thomas Mariani. And I am Adam Thomas, and Thomas, you in danger, girl. Oh no. <laughs> Is my dead lover finally back, Patrick Swayze, please? Yeah, well, uh, oh, what? Wait. That was unfortunate. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have worded it that way. You owe everybody who's a fan of Roadhouse an apology. No, that's true. I'm, I'm very sorry, all of you Roadhouse fans. Big uh, guys that go to that bar and watch that one blind guy play. I'm very sorry. Yeah, guitar on his lap. I don't get it, but whatever. We're not talking about that Patrick Swayze movie this evening, uh, but welcome everyone to the Double Edge Double Bill. Uh, this week, we are here to talk about uh, a topic chosen by our patrons. We have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash DEGBpod, where for just a dollar a month, you all get to choose, you know, certain things, like uh, movies we cover or topics we do, and they end up as a Patreon redemption. This was a topic previously on our list around Valentine's Day this year that you all ended up choosing as the one we uh, give a second chance to actually cover, Paranormal Romance, which I think Ab and I can both very much say we're not as familiar with the genre, and I think that made choosing for this quite difficult overall. <laughs> yeah, to the point to where, um, what? <laughs> it, was, it was so hard. It was so fucking hard to do, man. This might be one of the hardest ones yet, in all honesty. Well, yeah, because there's also just not a lot of options, quite frankly. There was a very small pool of movies we could do, and especially considering what ones were, like, streaming that were available, necessarily. It was pretty difficult. <laughs> to find two but i think we found two very interesting ones yeah to say the least and uh if you're unfamiliar with the show basically how we do this is for whatever topic we do at the end of the previous episode uh each of us has two of a certain quality um i had the two good picks and had the two bad picks related to paranormal romance films and we ended up uh picking number between one and ten between uh, both of our choices and that's what got us um our good pick which was ghost from 1990 and Adam's bad pick of Beastly from 2011. Two uh, very different films that uh, would, I would classify still fit under Paranormal Romance as, as an idea. Yeah, and I just want to get this out there because I've seen people talk about it. And I, even when I've said it to other people, when we say paranormal, we also mean supernatural. It is the same thing where other people are like, no, paranormal is strictly ghosts. No, or shit. It's all, you know, if you believe in ghosts that they could have, you know, romantic relationships, and so can a goddamn vampire. So give me a fucking break. Yeah, I, I, you brought this up to me, and I was confused by this as well. It's just like, I thought that was more of like an umbrella term for like paranormal, supernatural, nope. or whatever. I mean, yeah, I, I guess like most people associate paranormal based on like paranormal activity or whatever. Um, But but yeah, we're, we're definitely going for like any kind of thing where it's like, hey, you're a spooky thing that doesn't exist, but I am. 
let's kiss. That was the definition that we put for <laughs> paranormal romance. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's go ahead and start with our first feature, Ghost. What's the matter? Seems like uh, whenever anything good in my life happens, I'm just afraid I'm going to lose it. I really love you. What do you want? Somebody help us! The problem with you is you still think you're real. Who is that? You can hear me? Can you hear me? Sam Wheat. Say my name. Say it. Leave me alone. Say my name. I get a message from Sam. What? Sam Wheat? He asked me to call. Once you go to police, he said it was a setup. He was murdered. Molly? Molly, you in danger, girl. So, Ghost came out July 13th, 1990, um, and was a very successful film of 1990, literally the highest grossing one of the year, made $505.7 million, which in 1990 money is a shit ton of money. Jesus, they made $500 million in 1990? And, I mean, this was a very beloved movie when it came out in 1990, it won a couple Oscars. Like, the most of what I knew about this movie, because I hadn't seen Ghost before doing this, I knew three things about it. One... The pottery scene, which is sort of the most infamous thing that's sure. parodied all the time. Two, this is the movie that Whoopi Goldberg won her Oscar for. And three, mm-hmm. this is directed by Jerry Zucker, who was one third of the Zucker Abram Zucker directorial group that previously made Airplane, Top Secret, and Ruthless People. Yep. Yes. So they were more known for like sillier comedies uh, as opposed to Zucker. This is his first film on his own. Uh, which is also funny given, I think, the year after this is Naked Gun, Two and a Half, The Smell of Fear, where they parody the pottery scene. One of many parodies of this pottery scene I'd seen <laughs> over the last, oh, all of my life. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's constantly, con- even to this day, people are still parodying it. Yep, and the Unchained Melodies forever attached to that. And that was why I was kind of fearful of seeing Ghost before this point. To the point where, like I said, I hadn't seen it before this. And there's always that worry where it's like, oh, you know, a movie, movie like through cultural osmosis. And you're like, is it going to really hold up as well when you watch it? And uh, this movie hooked me line and sinker. I love this fucking movie. I get why it was so popular. It's a great movie. It's <laughs> uh, so refreshing to hear you say. Uh, because I saw this when it came out. I don't think I saw it at the theater. But because it was such a huge thing, it was like the be all and all. We got to rent it. We, everybody had to see it. Um, I don't know a single person from my era who hasn't seen Ghost. And, um, yeah, I fucking love this movie. I've always loved this movie. I love it even more today. It has aged wonderfully. Um, and that's really refreshing to hear that, like, somebody who had never seen it can go in now in 2021 and watch it and be like, oh, yeah, this is pretty fucking great. It just goes to show what a good story it is and, and just how well told and acted the whole thing is, too. Yeah, it's it's very much a movie that feels like it's it's designed to appeal to everybody because, uh, to quote Mr. Stefan, this movie has everything. It's got paranormal like horror stuff. It's got a romance. It's got great comedy. It's got just like it's all sorts of different genres, and it balances it out so perfectly. I'm astonished at how well this all is balanced together, and I think it's really on the backbone of 
the three lead performances with, we mentioned Swayze before, of course, stars in this, but also Demi Moore and Whoopi Goldberg, I think are so good that they make a thing that could easily topple over and completely not work, work so well. Dude, Whoopi Goldberg is a fucking, she is a force of nature in this movie. Yeah, honestly, like, when, when I heard she won the Oscar for this movie, I'm like, I don't know, does that feel like it's just kind of like it was such a big movie that it, she won for? It's like, no, she deserved it. It's such a great sporting performance. 100% deserved it. It's, it. She's so phenomenal in this. She's so funny, and yet she gives off just genuine, like, oh, I really care vibes. Like it's it's really really kind of a masterful performance. It's it's quite phenomenal. Especially when like when I realized what her character was as sort of just like oh you're the living conduit that Patrick Swayze can talk to once he becomes a ghost. There is always that kind of fear of like is she just like a supportive black lady for the white guy character? How could this turn out? But I agree. I think in context of what the movie actually does, she has a whole interiority about her life, and I totally believe her having, like, this history with, like, her various different uh, relatives, like her grandmother and her mother had the gift, but she doesn't. She's a con artist. I love the fact that she has been just, like, bullshitting people this whole time and then discovers, oh, fuck, I can actually speak to a ghost. This is freaking me the fuck out and I can't do my con anymore. <laughs> it's it's such a great setup that leads to, I agree, I think a really fun turn where she's very comedic, hilarious as Whoopi tended to be, especially at this time. Also, I believe the emotional arc that she goes on how she's, like, really grows to have a true friendship with Swayze. Yeah, that fucking bank scene where she goes to get the check is so good. And how would you like that? Tens and twenties? <laughs> <laughs> and Whoopi is always somebody who I felt like I take for granted as a comedic presence, because Whoopi just feels like she's always been there. But at the same time, whenever Whoopi Goldberg shows up, it's rarely a bad thing. Like, we've talked about Theodore Rex on the show, where she's not as into it, but that's so rare. Considering like she's a constant professional, and it all really comes from especially a performance like this shows how multifaceted a performer she is. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and and plus, you know, it, not to really get into spoiler already, but I had mentioned uh, to you that there was a scene in this that scared the shit out of me as a child. I bet you can guess what scene it is. Well, there's two that I thought of. There's there's two that have, like, the same thing with, like, the, the evil ghosts that show up. I was just wanting to know, was it the first one or the second one? The first one, where they take away the, uh, the hitman. Yeah, because that one did quite terrify me. Like, oh, should I get it? But Willie, um, the Ricky <laughs> yeah. character. Where it, it works because it's, like, you can tell the limitations of the time. Like, the effects work incredibly. But even the limitations that you get make sound, it more sound. creepy. Like, particularly, and the sound design, which I found it was, like, slowed down baby crying. Oh, I didn't know that. That makes it creepier. Yep. <laughs> but no, it, it really works. Yeah, I agree. That, and that's the thing. Like, it's able to balance all that tonal stuff there. Um, where even, like, Tony Goldwyn's death is super gory. I did not, was not expecting, like, oh, Jesus Christ. That's, that's a lot. And shout out to, like, also Tony Goldwyn. Like, this, he kind of got what I like to call Billy Zaned apparently from this part where yeah. basically you're in the biggest movie of all time as a scumbag and throughout your entire life you're just going to be labeled as oh you're that scumbag from the movie everybody loves and it kind of wrecks your career a hundred percent and but it, it's so good though. he's so he's great so good yeah i think it's because you get he, he feels like a solid best friend character earlier on and mm -hmm. you feel that betrayal when you find out oh, he's been screwing over patrick swayze this whole time trying to get all that money out of it what a piece of shit <laughs> oh he's a horrible piece of shit dude yeah <laughs> he's just Oh, you, you know, it is a quite a way to go, but at the same time, you're like, oh, you deserve it. 
Like, yeah, you deserve Look, this for to the happen. Look, the scene alone where he tries to romance Demi Moore Ugh. really sounds like, oh, you piece, of, you vile piece of shit. And it helps also that you have Swayze, who, like, they cut to Swayze in the same way that lesser filmmakers would cut to, say, like, a dog reaction shot. But Swayze is, like, the perfect person to cut to for that. Like, oh, you're with him. Fuck that guy. Uh-huh. How good was Swayze in this, man? Is Sam Wheat. Oh, he's phenomenal. It might be his best performance. I mean, honestly. I mean, I think so, because I know he was doing... He did this around this time because he didn't want to get stuck in action movie roles. And I heard that apparently the screenwriter, uh, Bruce Joel Rubin, who, by the way, also won an Oscar for this movie, he apparently saw Swayze, like, cry about his father, who had recently passed, in an interview. And he's like, oh, we need somebody who, like, looks like a macho dude who could, like, actually show emotion to do this. I agree. I think Swayze works so well as an audience surrogate character for particularly like going through the world in the same way that like Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin work so perfectly in Beetlejuice. You like need that kind of like grounding element to make this really out there kind of conceit work perfectly. And you really go along with him, especially as he learns a bit more about being a ghost particularly all the stuff in the subway with my man, Vincent Schiavelli, who's so fucking great. Um, and him training and him basically had to like move when, objects and stuff so good. When he's singing the fucking he's singing had to keep it Whoopi Goldberg awake. Yes. It is so funny to me. She's just the way she's fighting with the pillow and just it's so good. And then like I just love the idea that once all the other ghosts figure out that she could hear him, they all keep coming to her at all times of the day and night. Like, it's just, it's so well done. And they have such good chemistry together, Patrick Swayze and Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. And it, so does, he does with Demi Moore as well. It's just, and it's such a different, on such a different level, but it works on both ways. Like you said, the three of them together. I mean, what a great three leads. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah, and I think we should also give a bit of credit to Zucker, who I found out Jerry Zucker on the comedy movies was the one who talked to the actors more, whereas his brother David and Jim Abrams were more, like, technical with the comedy. He was, like, actually talking sure. to the actors more directly. You can see that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it works perfectly for, like, the actual back and forth between all everyone here. It feels so natural, despite how kind of silly this conceit is. Um, and, yeah, you really believe the emotions of especially... Like, I think Demi Moore is more... From what I had heard about in this movie, it's like, oh, she has, like, the shorter hair and she's part of the pottery scene. Like, she, nobody really talks about her yeah. as much. And I think... She sells so much of the tragedy of having to deal with, like, Patrick Swayze dying, particularly from the moment, like, she is in the police precinct with Stephen Root, who I was wonderful to see in anything. But um, her whole thing where she talks about, I really believe you, and she starts, like, the waterworks start, started for me. By the second half of this movie, I am tears, Niagara Falls, crying. It's so emotionally devastating, and I think she really is the linchpin for a lot of that. The penny on the door. Oh, oh my God. God. It's so good. It's so, so good. She, uh, Yeah, she's perfect in this. There is such a vulnerability to her character, and I, and I know it sounds crazy, but I think the short hair helped, and I think the wardrobe choices for her worked and everything, because she's not at all overtly sexualized like Demi Moore typically has been in every movie she's just she's so good as this sort of wounded in mourning like just lost the greatest love like a a storybook romance love of her life her prince is dead and like she doesn't really know how to go on she's just trying to function yet she can't escape it because not only does his dickhead friend trying to bang her to get access to the little bank book 
But then she's got this psychic showing up who's telling her all the stuff that she doesn't believe. It's a pretty fucking nuanced performance out of Demi Moore that I also would say is probably one of her best performances as well. And it's another thing where if you told me on paper, like that's most of her role in the movie, I'd be like, oh, it's just like, oh, my man is gone. But I think the first like 15 minutes or so of this movie perfectly sells the relationship between those two and how it's not just a one-sided thing where they really support each other. They feel like they are oh, like, yeah. two like souls that feel that they work together so perfectly because they like help each other out. It doesn't feel like it's one-sided. And even down to the pottery scene, which I was even thrown off just by, oh, this occurs in like, the first ten minutes of the movie? I thought this was like a climax thing based on what I'd seen. Um, but I mean, yeah. I, I get why people were so swept up in it because it's such a unique idea to have like, oh, how do we show these two are one in the same? Oh, how about she likes to do pottery? and he is helping her out with it. Um, it really sells, and I get what people thought. It was, like, so, quite frankly, sexual. It's like, yeah, I get it. It's pretty hot. <laughs> it's weirdly very hot. It's, it's, I mean, it's incredibly sexy and sexual, and, and but in not an exploitive way at all, and that's why it works so well. Um, like you said, he's just helping her with her hobby, which she loves to do, and it's just, they just are so crazy about each other. That I mean, yeah, it, it just works perfectly. It's all right there on the screen. And the thing is, you know, a lot of people don't realize he dies fucking quick in this movie. Like, it's pretty, it's within the first, what, 15, 20 minutes, he's dead. Yeah. I'm glad that that happened. Uh, because, like you said, they give you enough in, the, in those 10, 15 minutes to where you're like, oh, man, she he loves her more than anything in the world. She loves him more than anything in the world. And they're both destroyed now because he's gone. Like, it, it's pretty kind of remarkable that they were able to achieve all that in 10 minutes. Yeah, I also really love, the directorially, the way that they show how Swayze dies, where, like, he gets mugged, yeah. and he starts chasing after him, but he goes back and sees that he's dying in her arms. Is like, that works perfectly as well. And even, like, a lot of the setup we get of, like, the ghost where he goes to the hospital... And he's talking with the one ghost older dude, just like, oh, look, I knew he was a goner. I see it all the time. And then, like, like, one ghost goes up to heaven. Or even the way that Swayze goes through walls or people and he, like, sees organic matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is going through. The effects yeah, work holds up so well. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, there's a couple scenes where it's like, no. But it's also 1990. I mean, it's 28 years old. No. It's 30 years old, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> technically 31 years old <laughs> Jesus. but yeah it's uh yeah oh my god i'm so fucking old no it's <laughs> it's pretty fantastic dude i i like i said i'm so glad you like this movie and th- this is definitely one of the ones too where a lot of people shit on it nowadays and i think it's because it was such a big phenomenon to where it's you know now it's cool to shit on things that were popular especially back in the day. And it's like, I, I just think that nobody really gives it a chance. I think a lot of people hate on this movie, hate on it because of, you know, the pottery scene and how much it's been lampooned and stuff without actually even, I'd argue probably a lot of it's not people who don't even watch the movie. Yeah. It also didn't help that it came out in 1990. So it was right before sincerity became out of fashion. And we sort of had the, right. the 90s kind of like sarcasm and like uh, looking down on movies or trying to be sincere. It's cool, man. That's what it's all about. Um, as opposed to, I think it's aged wonderfully, I agree, because it's a wonderfully sincere movie. It feels so old-fashioned in a way that's, like, really refreshing. It feels like this could have easily been a movie that was made in, like, 1930 with different pop culture references and shit like that. It has that kind of appeal of, like, a real classic 
romance, spooky, comedy kind of thing that you don't get too often. Oh, I agree. Sam could have been fucking Cary Grant. He could have been fucking Jimmy Stewart, and you'd get it. Like, it would still work. It's a very timeless story. I mean, they could do it now, and it would still work, I I, I think. Um, It's just... Because it, you like you said, yes, it this movie has everything: ghosts, Tarzan, money laundering, Dan Cortez, demons, Dan Cortez. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's just, it it works perfectly. I, there's, I, I just, I don't understand. Like I said, I just don't understand the hate on this movie. I don't know if it's because it's a romance movie, or it's because it's from 1990, or because people think it's cheesy. Like, I I just don't get it. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, paranormal or, like, things that can be kind of skewed as aimed for female audiences have often been kind of skewered by asshole males who are just like, how dare they have a thing they can like. That's awful. Like, even at the time when this was coming out, like, you, I played a trailer uh, before this started. The trailer just emphasizes way more on, like, the ghost thriller elements. Like, they play the You're in Danger Girl thing over, like, super dark music. Like, You're in Danger Girl. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> like, they're trying to really, like, hide the romance at all in the marketing for it. But, yeah, I think it's lasted so long because it has that sincere romance. Because, honestly, like, by the ending of this movie in particular, when he ends up saying, I love you, and she says, ditto gone i'm just like i can't see the screen because i'm just covered in tears it's so great (laughs) it's so good it's so good oh man and you know that's the thing too you know we're two fucking two dudes sitting here talking about ghosts a paranormal romance movie that's full of you know real sweet tender moments and everything and you know guess what still a good movie just because it might not be typical for you know at least the projected sort of right, right the projected what what dudes are supposed to do quote unquote like, yeah yeah whatever bullshit that is right. it's that's such horseshit just watch the movie and enjoy it for a good movie it's a good movie yeah for god's sakes yeah i that those sound like the start of good final thoughts if you have anything else to add <laughs> uh i mean the only thing i can say again uh this movie is anchored pretty much all around by not only just a fantastic story, fantastic direction, great visual effects, but the performances in this movie. I mean, pretty much from top to bottom, there's not a bad performance. And everybody is fully committed to what they're doing. Everybody's fully committed to the part. Um, If you want to see a never better Whoopi, Demi, Patrick Swayze, and even Tony Goldwyn, I I would say this this is right there. This is... It holds up so well, even because of their performances and the sincerity behind the whole thing. It's just a, it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. Yeah, I echo all of that and also just want to emphasize that this is uh, coming from someone who had not seen the movie before, had been so indated with like all the pop culture stuff about this movie that was so big, and I avoided it for so long just because of like the, the weird sort of like pop culture uh Mm-hmm. lampooning that's been going on for so long with it and finally decided like you know what this is a good time as any to finally watch this movie and um i'm just more mad at myself that i didn't watch it earlier because i wish i had been in more of my life just have seen ghost multiple times before this point well I have that option now i do but now before we get into um our next feature here's a promo for an eso she can queue up right after ours i'm brian Trino, i'm martha bartlett and this is but first let's talk nerdy Oh, I love that. That's going to be our promo. (laughs) Done. Cut it, Kevin. Send it. Bam. But first, let's talk nerdy. It's two nerd girls talking about nerdy things over a couple of drinks. What could go wrong? 
part of the ESO network. Now let's get into our bad feature, Beastly. Should you vote for me just because I'm the rich, popular, good-looking guy? Hell yeah! My dad always said how much people like you is directly proportional to what you look like. What can I say? I'm substance over style. Steer clear of the witch. Wow, looks are important to you. They're important to everyone, except you, clearly. Imagine life without them. You have a year to find someone to love you. What? Or stay like this forever. I need a thing Lindy would like. She would like it when you are being yourself. Pretty gruesome, huh? I've seen worse. I need more time. I might have a shot if I have more time. Can't. Sorry. You were the most beautiful man I have ever met. So Beastly came out March 4th, 2011 uh, from writer-director Daniel Barnes uh, based on Alex Flynn's novel of the same name. And uh, in case you didn't know, uh, this was a movie that came out square in the middle of like all the Twilight craze. Like this is before the final two chapters came out in that Twilight saga. And um, if you're still one of those people who likes to do like the lame Twilight jokes, one, get over yourself. It's almost been a decade since they've ended. And two... If you want to have way more appreciation for those movies, uh, watch Beastly, because it is all the worst things about Twilight just filtered into an incredibly poor movie. Oh, it's such a fucking shit show of a film. <laughs> it, it's just... Oh, no. Like, <laughs> like this is my first time seeing it. Uh, and I watched it today. Literally, it ended an hour before we started recording. And maybe, Adam, for anyone who's not familiar, why don't you give them a brief plot synopsis of Beastly? <laughs> well, it's modern-day Beauty and the Beast type of idea. Tales old as time, song as old as rhyme, we're all aware, yes. Yep, yep. right, right, right. Uh, the, there's a little teapot, um, <laughs> but it's made by Neil Patrick Harris. Really weird. I would argue um, he's more <laughs> the candelabra, and Lisa Gay Hamilton is like the Jamaican teapot? With the... I love it's, Lisa Gay Hamilton, but it's such a terrible accent. <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, just because she says me instead of I, that doesn't make it Jamaican. Nope. Um, it's just, oh, God. Uh, and this movie, it has a it has a line that is said uh, two or three times. In the fact, it even shows up tattooed above the main character's eyes uh, instead of his eyebrows. Embrace the suck. Um, and that's something you kind of have to do if you want to watch this movie. It's terrible. Uh, I mean, it, it, the fact of the matter is, okay, the, the Beast, he's this young jock kid. or He's super handsome and really, you know. He's the rich kid and he's running for class president. He's a rich kid because his, his dad is a news anchor. So apparently news anchors are worth billions of dollars, which I didn't know was a thing. Uh, but whatever. And uh, so he's mean to the witch at school who's Mary Kate. Olsen, I think. I think it's Mary it Jane. Is Mary I don't Kate. know. It's in her final film performance okay. before she decided to become a fashion designer with Ashley. Well, that's probably for the best. And uh, she curses him to find true love within a year or else he'll remain this beast character forever. And the the makeup design is very interesting to me because he's just bald with open wounds and shitty tattoos. And yet, so he, he finds, of course, the stereotypical fucking sort of pixie dream girl in Vanessa Hudgens. 
and uh, basically kidnaps her. And uh, they, you know, there you go. Then true love finds a way. Well, that's the I thing. Guess, that the big want... thing is that the makeup design, it's probably the most interesting thing about the movie. Weird. Right, it's weird. But in context of, like, horrible beast makeups, um, it's relatively fine. <laughs> like, it just, it looks yeah, weird. It's just like a modern tattooed dude who got into a bunch of fights. Yeah. Like, he, it just looks like a guy who's into scarification and tattoos. Like, he, he looks like a modern day sort of, you know, what they call it, like, uh, they call it like tribal scarification, like that you do, like dudes in New York do and stuff. They, he just looks like a, a dude who's into like, you know, fucking industrial clubs. <laughs> like it doesn't, right? It doesn't. It, it's it's really dumb. But but they treat it as like anytime people see his face, they're just like, oh, look at the beast. Oh no! <laughs> right, exactly. Which nobody would do that. They'd just be like, oh, that guy's into some weird shit, and that'd be it. No, yeah, and but I think the bigger problem is uh, the actor portraying him. Oh, fuck. Oh, he's so bad. Yes, uh, Alex Pettifer, oh. who at this time was somebody who they were trying to make into a star. Because this is, I think, within a month after I Am Number 4 came out, which oh. was like another uh, sort of like young adult uh, novel turned into a movie that didn't become a franchise, like many were at this time. Um, and then he was also in the first Magic Bike, and he's the worst part of that movie. Easily the worst thing. Yep. Um, but he's the linchpin of that movie, which is really weird because Mike's like, I have to save him. Like, no, fuck that dude. He seems like a piece of shit. Why are you bothering with him? He's terrible. He's He's so bad. He's really awful. And then not too long after that, he just disappeared, thankfully. And he was kind of like, I remember in interviews, he was kind of being an asshole about like, oh, you know, uh, Hollywood just seems so uh, impersonal and just, I I don't want to be stuck in this kind of like pretty boy life. It's like, well, if you got out of that dude, um, and a good thing, because as you mentioned, he is god-awful as a protagonist well, he's still making a ton of shit though he's still in a ton of dvds straight to streaming right shit. right but he's not in like big high profile movies that they're trying to give no because he's awful because he's awful <laughs> he's a terrible actor i mean it's it, look if i didn't have to watch this for the show i couldn't have watched this movie because of him legitimately because of him uh not only is he just unlikable it just he's his line delivery is some of the worst I've ever heard. And he's working with pretty bad material where he says say things like Frankenskanks, which I mentioned earlier, or he can carpe diem in hell. <laughs> Just the yeah, worst sure. awful line. Like, this movie feels, despite being only a decade old, it feels a thousand years old because it feels like it's so trying to be hip and trendy. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, cringe. There's so much, like, awful, cringy dialogue. <laughs> His fake Facebook profile about me, only into hot chicks. No fatties allowed. Like, okay. Right. And the, that's... deactivate account. Why? Because I am no longer here. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so dumb. It is such an ineptly put together movie on so many levels. Because, <laughs> like, there's stuff like that. Or when he ends up, the way he gets Vanessa Hudgens, like, captured, quote yeah. unquote. Um, the way they kind of twist her as Belle and her dad. Her dad's like a drug addict who owes money to, like, these young gang members. And he's like, I'll kill your daughter. So he's like, I'll protect her. I'll take her. But hey, what are you going to do for her? I'll protect her. Okay. And also, I, I love I love him taking the pictures on his phone, too. Where he's, oh, also, show the cops these. Click, click. Just two separate images. Like, like, just some random old man and a dead body. <laughs> what is that going to do? <laughs> But so, if anything, you're probably the killer. <laughs> like the cops are like, wait a minute. How do you have this picture of your dead body? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? 
and just got some random ass like hobos picture. This isn't good. <laughs> Stupid. And that's how he gets Vanessa Hudgens to be under his roof. And and then that ends up with like this whole so poorly put together like quote unquote comedy like rom com montage where like she is up in the basement and he keeps trying to give her like fancy gifts trying to buy her basically and it's this like very like wobbly smack and you look he's trying to do it but it's not working <laughs> and it's like a really shitty Could music you learn about her <laughs> oh i got you juju fruits and she's like Ooh. and he's disguising himself with a ski mask <laughs> yeah let's mystery science theater a korean cooking show classic okay. right up there with you on the bots just classic yep yep <laughs> they're winning banter just really aren't they're, you just constantly going, so what are they saying what are they saying what are they saying like oh god and meanwhile uh, like you like we mentioned earlier like he's being coaxed into doing the spy lisa gay hamilton doing the worst jamaican accent um and then neil patrick harris as a blind tutor who's like his wingman who doesn't teach him anything no really like it's just there to like be bros yeah and he says stuff like an emo chick gave me a dart hex like all these terrible lines yep. could be the titles of much better movies i would rather see like i would rather see frankenskanks in this movie <laughs> oh it's pretty sad that the most believable thing in this movie is when neil patrick harris is talking about how he like used to get how hot chicks are into him because he's blind i'm like well that's believable the rest of this is just dog shit but even then, yeah he's playing it like he's still fucking barney from how i met your mother he's still in that mode oh 100 <laughs> A hundred percent. I mean, he is that character, just blind. Yeah. Except when he's magically not blind anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Which, which, they only give, like, an ounce of time to, like, in the deleted ending. Where he's like, oh, by the way, thanks for, you know, whatever their names are. She's like, yeah, it bows. Other than that, they don't even explain it. Like, all of a sudden, he's just not blind and... And she's legal. <laughs> well, she, right, no, she has green cards for her children suddenly. That's the magic thing. <laughs> Which I also love that scene, too, where, like, um, Alex Pettifer is trying to say, like, so, how old are your kids? Oh, they're, you know, this old. And one of them, I've been gone for, like, most of his life. And he, she's, he's just like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right on. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, but you left them behind. Like, motherfucker, did you hear all words she was saying about how she had to abandon her kids to give them a better life? You piece of shit. Your dickhead father character, who is so laughably stupid, it, 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 it decides, like, oh, I don't like the way you look, so I'm going to show you up in your own fucking penthouse. Right, that's, that, that's, that's, that's the castle that he's been scourged off to, never to be seen by the light of man again. And everybody believes him. Like, his father believes, and, uh, yeah, oh, someone put a hex on you. Nobody's like, wait, what happened? Well, also, like, well, that's not until after like he goes to apparently like one plastic surgeon. He's just like, look, we can't really destroy those scars because we might kill him. He's like, but are you sure we can do that though? Like, why don't we just try it just in case? And he's like, are you going to let me die? It's like, well, I mean, it came out probably wrong, but that's kind of what I said. <laughs> I think is really the line of dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> We're willing to sacrifice everything. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I got you that motorcycle you always wanted. Oh, oh and the music. The, is this movie so in 2011 or not? Oh, 100%. Because like, like especially the, the song when he's stalking Vanessa Hudgens. And it's just like, I need oh. you so much closer. Like, there's Death Cab for Cutie and a few <laughs> other things. Yeah. Regina Spector. Regi- oh, oh, yeah, Regina Spector. This is very 2011. Oh, yeah. Even now, she, sure. like, there's other actors, too, who are very of the time. Like, Eric Nusted is in there, who was in, like, 
Scream yep. 4 and Scott Pilgrim yep. around this time, or even Dakota Johnson, the only person to really go like, on from here. Things, right? Yeah, and even and also Vanessa Hudgens, who is very much of this time. Um, who terrible. Yeah, I think like the biggest thing with Hudgens is like she's kind of directed to play It's like, hey, play it as the most agreeable person possible. And that's all she like, really I, is, isn't a character. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent, like ever. You are just down to go with the flow uh, no matter what is happening. Right. Like, 100%. Down to having, like, their romantic montage where they're, like, reading back poetry to each other in the greenhouse and the seasons go by. (laughs) And really poorly, like, green-screened, like, them in the same greenhouse over the course of the time. But, But then she reads that letter that basically says, I've been stalking you forever. And she's like, well, I love you now. It's so stupid. <laughs> Especially in the theatrical release ending, which feels so poorly put yeah. together. Just like, oh, hey, I'm going to take my bus trip to Machu Picchu, evidently. That's the yeah. she's waiting yeah. for. Is... Yeah, from Brooklyn. From Brooklyn. From Brooklyn. Right. Go to Machu Picchu on a bus. Um, but then there's also the alternative ending, which I shared with you, Adam, which is fucking uh, hilarious. It's so funny where the actual drug subplot comes back and she gets kidnapped. Yep. And then he, like, sacrifices himself, and then she says, like, I love you, and then he ends up healing it, and she's like, for a second, she says, wait a minute, you were actually this guy the whole time? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was you. <laughs> yeah. How bad, I just wanted him to die so bad. Oh, 100%. But I shot him, I'm like, oh, please tell me he dies. This, If he would have died, this movie would have been a fucking 10 out of 10. Because <laughs> I'd have been like, oh, well, thank God, at least they gave us that. After this hour and a half of torture. Well, I don't know. I would have preferred <laughs> if he were to die if it had been like he was at the top of his penthouse and he got rid of the drug dealer, but then he fell and hit every single fire escape all the way down to the ground. Uh-oh. Then it would have been 10 out of 10. But as opposed to him getting shot. Well, yeah, he, but yeah, he's at the top and a military sniper takes him out for some reason. <laughs> and I, he falls down. Know, honestly, Adam, I gotta yeah. say, like, I agree that this is very terrible, but I found it yes. kind of hilarious as a very funny bad movie no i i 100 agree i mean don't get me wrong i'm never gonna watch this by myself again no but this would definitely be one of the ones i'd be like dude you want to watch a really shitty movie that's gonna make you laugh let's watch beastly like i could see you doing that this i mean because i've i didn't see well i probably did see most of those like sort of ya adaptions that came out around twilight which by the way i agree with you fuck fuck off about twilight twilight's actually pretty decent oh my god they did something different with vampires oh no fuck it but oh fuck is this this is like those other ones are bad like not watchable bad this one is a bad like i i i i can't believe that that <laughs> that not only did i watch the whole thing without pausing it but i was genuinely entertained by it by how bad it was no yeah the, the... like i could not believe <laughs> the shit that was happening in this movie. Like when he goes to that fucking Halloween party and Dakota Johnson's making out with the dude, his buddy, the kid, the kid you mentioned. Yeah. Eric Nested. And they just, they stop kissing to mention how much they hated his character. <laughs> and then they go back to kissing. <laughs> That's really what the lifeblood of their relationship is. Them kissing. Oh man. I really hated Kyle. Me too. It's better. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> And also, we haven't talked about her that much, but we got to shout out Mary-Kate Olsen trying to go full, like, 
over the top witch character she's very bad in a way that feels like she's kind of trying to be like look this is definitely gonna be like my last movie i'm putting it all on the table for this oh she knows yeah she's like i'm done (laughs) Yeah, I mean, to be fair, look, she was 24 at this time, and she had done Full House and all of those, like, hundreds of straight-to-video movies she and her sister did before this. Like, I totally get quitting at that point. Yeah, she's, she's fine. Yeah. Yeah, she's just like, all right, I'll do this, but I'll, that's it. They probably She probably got paid more than anybody in the fucking movie, to be honest. Yeah, but particularly, I love uh, the bit where, like, she sees him... And he does the whole thing about, like, what looks it matter to everybody except for you, clearly. And she does, like, the, oh, is that what you're saying? And she, like, does the, like, sway off camera. Uh, <laughs> it's so fucking uh, funny. It's she so-, so badly didn't want to be in this movie that at the end, Stinger, it's not even her. It's just somebody's feet. Yeah. It's with her weird shoes that she's wearing. <laughs> Whenever those were. Yeah. She didn't even bother to be like, no, I'm not stepping out of this fucking elevator. Just show, show some feet. <laughs> like it's so bad. <laughs> oh, we got in your intern. As long as she's easy on the eyes. Well, she's odd looking. Look, no Humpty Dumpty or something. <laughs> <Fuck. laughs> she sits on a wall. She's going down, bro. No Humpty Dumpties in this place. Yeah, damn it! How stupid! Oh fuck! Well. Apparently, she could get any task done by using her magic. Oh, God. She works like, her magic. Get, like, we don't get who it's gonna be. You know right off the bat who it's gonna be. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> like, this is one that I felt dumber after I finished it. And I think, honestly, what you were talking about, what you kind of mentioned about the Twilight thing, like, anybody still that dismissive about Twilight really should go back to those movies, because as bad as those movies could be especially i think the earlier ones the last three in particular are gonzo weird blockbuster movies that i'm surprised got made yeah they're like really fascinating from like eclipse and the two breaking dawn movies you're just like okay we're doing all this in this like teen romance movie with werewolves and vampires right we're getting really fucking dark here wow holy shit (laughs) like yeah i agree but anybody, like you said, too, and I completely agree with you, anybody who shits on those, go back and watch this one. Go back and watch, you know, Mortal Instruments. Go back and watch Vampire Academy or whatever the hell it was oh, called. Oh, yeah. Vamp- Vampire Academy is really fucking terrible, too. <laughs> oh, they're terrible movies. It's just, this is, this is really Because this one is, like, the embodiment of, like, what we talk about with, like, this was made by a boardroom who was just like, what do the kids uh-huh. like? This is like the epitome of that. Just like they like the Regina Spectre. They like the tragic romance. <laughs> they like the Vanessa Hudgens. Yeah, the kids like the Olsons. And, uh... well, but let's get one just for the sake of budget. Yeah, we can only afford one. <laughs> let's try to get Zac Efron. Oh, he doesn't want to do it. All right. Let's get this Alex fucking Pettifer kid. They'll like him. They better like him. <laughs> they, they're gonna fucking like him. God damn it. Ugh. He looks like Nicholas Nickleby, but with an edge. <laughs> garbage movie. <laughs> well, Adam, if you have any final thoughts, let's get to final thoughts on Beastly. I mean, it's fucking atrocious, dude. It It, it is it is so dumb and, and just bad. And the thing is, it's not treating its audience like it's dumb. It's just a dumb movie. Like, it's just so piss poorly written, acted, directed, shot, everything. It's ugly looking. It's st- stupid it, it, there's there's literally nothing good in this movie not one thing 10 out of 10 <laughs> 10 out of 10 would watch again um 
but but I mean I, I completely agree with all that I think it's it's also weird like you mentioned the ugliness I think it it's weird that like it looks lower budget than even like a CW show that's kind of trying to ape as well this was deep in like they were doing the like the vampire diaries and shit like that this time and it looks so clearly like they're trying to ape that kind of thing as well and it looks even worse because uh, it's like so slick and polished I would argue it is a like deeply cynical movie that does not trust its teenage audience I think it is much more talking down to them <laughs> than anything else uh but at the same time i find it like to be at least the more watchable one because as you mentioned there were so many attempts to do like ya novels around this time and trying to adapt them into series and uh this one is probably the worst but also the most watchably bad of any of those it's got so many inexplicable choices that don't make any sense none of the characters do anything that makes sense none of the casting decisions work and it's just so many hilariously bad lines that are just like you have to see to believe but definitely watch it with a group of friends because that's the only way this could at all work for you. And, and maybe while enjoying some either adult beverages or substances. Yes, if you are legally for allowed sure. to do so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, But that's the end of our discussion of our two movies. And here is a little message from everyone here at the ESO crew. Welcome to Dr. Geek's Laboratory. Hello, everyone. Dr. Geek here with a shout out to all the scientists who worked tirelessly to bring a COVID-19 vaccine into reality. <laughs> Let's face it, creating something of this magnitude is a miracle worthy of Dr. McCoy himself. And now, Dr. Geek needs you to do your part. Remember, each shot is one small step back to normal, one giant leap to putting the pandemic behind us. We can do this. For more information, visit vaccines.gov to find your nearest provider. All right, now let's get to uh, our little segment we do every week on the show, which is the Double Redu, where uh, every week Adam and I program the best and worst possible double feature based around the topic that we're doing, and uh, we recommend you also submit yours to uh, our social media and email, which we'll mention uh, as we go along here. But I'm going to go ahead and do mine first for Paranormal Romance, and as we had said, kind of hard to pick for this particular yep, topic. not easy. Uh, but I did a bit of my uh, research, and I watched a couple things, and uh, I would definitely recommend for my two good films, uh, one is the 2013 movie that was also one of these uh, attempting to be a big YA franchise thing that I didn't see actually until while doing research, was Beautiful Creatures, which, uh, if you don't know, it stars Alden Ehrenreich, a.k.a. Young Han Solo, before he was uh, taking on that particular mantle, as a guy who lives in a southern small town who hasn't had much excitement in his life until a new girl appears at school, uh, played by Alice Elgert, um, who, as it turns out, is part of a secret group of what they say are witches initially, but they call them casters in this particular film. And despite how it sounds kind of like one of these stupid YA little novel things, um, I think it's a pretty fun little movie. It has a great cast, but not just those two, but also uh, Viola Davis is in it. Um, and my favorites, so great, uh, Emma Thompson and Jeremy Irons doing very over-the-top Southern accents, but in a way that's still very fun to watch. Uh, it's it's a lot, there's like a solid like sort of world-building with what this kind of um, like witch world is and all this other stuff, and I think um, it, it plays a lot of it with like uh, a little nod to like this is kind of silly, but also uh, we, we're treating this as uh, genuinely as we possibly can in a way where I think it's much better than a lot of those ripoffs we talked about. So I definitely recommend Beautiful Creatures. That's on Tubi TV. As of right now, in fact, all of my choices are on Tubi TV right now. I looked up some of the streaming stuff. Um, along with Spring, 
which is my other good choice, which is a film by uh, Aaron Moorhead and uh, Justin Benson that I don't want to go too far into details because this movie uh, unravels itself quite well. But basically, the premise is we have our main character, uh, played by Lou Taylor Pucci, who has left the U.S. after like a pretty bad breakup and is on a trip to Italy when he encounters a mysterious woman, played by uh, Nadia Hiker, who, as it turns out, is not just like a beautiful woman he has fallen for, but also, um, I'll just say, a being who's been around for quite a while. And I think this movie kind of works as, it's like almost a weird fantasy horror tinge on like a Before Sunset, the Linklater movies, where it's like two people kind of like meeting each other and kind of falling for each other. But it just turns out one of them is like a being that's been around for quite a long time, for like hundreds of years. And I think it's like, it's very sweet. It works really well between like the two leads have a lot of great chemistry. It's beautifully shot in Italy. And I think also there's a lot of really cool creature effects that uh, might surprise you for especially a low-budget movie as this is. So, uh, yeah, I would recommend, once again, that's on Tubi along with it's on Hulu and Shudder. Yeah, that's one I've always wanted to see, but I haven't watched yet. But now that uh, you gave a recommendation, I'm definitely going to check that one out. Yes, and then quickly for just my two bad choices, I have one, An American Werewolf in Paris, which, speaking of those before movies... Um, has Julie Delpy as the love interest in that movie. Um, and she has a uh, romance with this t- American tourist who's going around, and it turns out she's actually a werewolf. This sequel to American Werewolf in London um, is the exact opposite of everything that worked about that movie. Uh, nobody from that original movie is involved. And they kind of imply that Julie Delpy is the daughter of the two lead characters from the first movie. Um, and it's got way worse werewolf effects, and it's just, uh, it's all around very bad. But if you want to see it, it's on Tubi. And also, Life After Beth, which is more of like a comedy romance kind of thing, uh, starring Aubrey Plaza, um, where basically she is a woman who is uh, becomes a zombie, and her boyfriend is like, I don't know, maybe we can make it work. It sounds funny on the page, and there's a lot of great actors in it, like... Uh, John C. Riley's in it, a few other really good people, and uh, it's a really unfunny bore of a movie. I did not really enjoy it whatsoever. I think it's pretty bad. And uh, yeah, so those are my good and bad double features. Well, it doesn't help that the main guy in, in Life After Beth is the wet blanket that is Ding Dahan. That's true. One of many examples of like, oh, they tried to make you a leading man. It's like, no. No, that doesn't work. Oh, God. Oh, oof. I've seen both your bad ones, and I agree. Oof. Oof. And I, I, I did kind of like Beautiful Creatures. I, I mean, it's not great, but it's pretty fun, dude. I, I agree. That one was, it was pretty fun. It's really worth it for Emma Thompson and Jeremy Irons just yes. really hamming it up. And, out, and out of the random YAs that came out, that's one of the better ones. Yeah. For sure. Um, okay, so my good ones. I actually have two vampire ones that neither are Twilight. <gasps> Sacrilege. But I have A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Uh, if nobody has seen this movie, it's the black and white um, movie. It came out, I, I believe, 2014. Around there, yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's from uh, Iran, and it's a female director and everything. It's a beautifully shot movie. Very slow burn, uh, but incredibly well acted. And it's just... God, what a, what a fucking movie, man. And a lot of people haven't seen it, and I get why. It's not exactly uh, the easiest accessible for general audiences, but it, it's it's pretty fantastic. Now, I didn't do the research to find out if they're streaming anywhere like Thomas, 
because uh, I just, you know, didn't realize we were doing that. And plus, I probably wouldn't do it anyways because I'm lazy. But uh, last I knew this was on Netflix, uh, I, whether or not it still is, I, I have no idea. And then uh, my other one is from, I believe, 2009, and it's uh, uh, Thirst. It's uh, another vampire movie uh, directed by Park Jan-wook. It's, it's really quite fantastic. It's bizarre. It's graphic. It's kind of gross. Uh, but basically, it's, it's he's uh, the main character is a priest who wants to find a cure for this horrible disease that's devastating Africa. He gets the cure. He's like he's a test subject and turns him into a vampire. And it's it's pretty fantastic, dude. It's it's like I said, it's bizarre, but it's really, really, really good. And then as far as my bad choices, I have uh, Mortal Instruments, City of Bones. I would say on the flip end of like beautiful creatures and the YA sort of movies that came out. It's so stupid. It is so, so dumb. Uh, just, you know, Lily Collins is in it and I do like Lily Collins and all, but it's just, it's a bore fest of a film. She's a half angel and like Lena Hetty's her mom. Like it's just, it's it, look, it's stupid. All right. <laughs> Everybody it's stupid. And for my other choice, I, I actually had two that I had to kind of go back and forth between, and I'm just now deciding. Uh, the Covenant with Stephen Strait, Sebastian Stan, what, the guy, I can't remember his name, but the kid who played Gambit in the X-Men Origins movie. Uh, it's just, Oh, Taylor Kitsch. Ta- yeah, Taylor Kitsch and like some other random hot guy. They're, they're a bunch of hot warlocks from Ipswich. And, uh, the, you know, once they hit 18, they ascend and become more powerful. And yet, you know, the main kid, Stephen Strait, Caleb, falls in love with this girl who comes to this school he's in. And he wants to maybe get rid of his powers so he could be with her. But yet he needs his powers to face off a new warlock who's come to town. Blah, 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 blah. It's fucking awful. It is awful. Want to talk about bad acting? holy shit, the movie is populated with some of the worst performances I've ever fucking seen. It's just, it's atrocious. Well, um, I have not seen either of your bad picks, though I've heard at least with uh, Covenant, that's a bit more of like a fun bad, where it's like so terribly oh, put together. Cool. Maybe, maybe. I think watching that with you, I think I'd have fun, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I've heard it's at least, un- it's very homoerotic unintentionally. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that you can even say unintentionally. <laughs> it, it's it's right there. I don't even call it subtext. I mean, it's there. It is broad text. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah, and um, I have seen A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, um, which I did quite love when it came out. I haven't seen it in a while. Um, but I think particularly it is so gorgeously shot. And I love oh, uh, particularly the whole sequence where um, she's skateboarding down the street is like so phenomenal. It's one of my favorite shots in a movie as a recent uh, credit to Anna Lily Amapor, who was the director yeah. and also did the bad batch, which I was kind of disappointed in um, by comparison. Yes. Um, but I, I will also say I have not seen thirst, but I've wanted to, I just need to ch- uh, catch up on more of my park Chan woke, uh, given I've seen like Stoker and old boy and some of those, I just, uh, or the handmaiden, um, which is also great. Yes. But um, by the way, uh, I looked this up as we were as you were talking. Um, your two bad movies aren't technically streaming anywhere. You can rent those if you so dare. But uh, Thirst is on Hulu, and A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night is on Shutter and Canopy. Oh well, there you go. 
Thank you, Thomas. No problem. All in a day's work. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, those are our uh, double features. And like we said, definitely send uh, those over to us. We'd recommend over at uh, DEDB Pod on Facebook and Twitter or DoubleEdgeDoubleBill at gmail.com. All spelled out as an email to send them to. And um, as we go on, we want to thank some people. Uh, we want to thank Chris Oliver for the intro and outro music used in our show. Listen to more of his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com. Thanks to Christian Thor Lally for our artwork. Uh, you can follow him on Night of Water for more of his art. That's uh, Night, like Noble Knight with a K, underscore of, underscore water. And uh, we want to thank also our Patreon supporters. As we mentioned at the top, at patreon.com slash dedbpod, where for just $1 a month, Y'all get to vote in polls that pick certain topics we do, like this particular week's episode, or even movies that we do for the show for a topic. And uh, also you get bonus podcasts, like this particular week, uh, we'd recommend as of when this is released, you'll be able to hear our On the Edge of Relevance, where we talk about more uh, modern movies that just got released, where we talk about Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. We just recorded that, so that'll be up for you as we're uh, talking here. And also, by the end of the month, you'll get our commentary we'll be doing on Westworld, the original 1973 film. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, all the kids are doing it. All the kids are doing it. They're watching the, you know, paying the $1. Yeah, and paying the $1, you fucks. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, uh, you know, if you want to support us a different way, you can also buy merchandise with our logo on either our old logo or our recent new logo that uh, Chris Thorlally did. Uh, you can uh, buy mugs or T-shirts or any sorts of other things with that logo on it, and we get a bit of a kickback from it over at the ESO T Public Store, which you can find a link to in the show notes. So buy our merch. <laughs> buy our merch. Oh, I love when you say that. I'm in paranormal love with you saying that. Oh, thanks, man. Wow. Well, that also means you're like a ghost or a werewolf or something. I'm not sure what, but... I'm a shell of a man. I don't know if that counts. Oh, you're a snail man. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yep. Don't look at my slimy face. Oh. Not the salt! Not the salt! <laughs> uh, but for more of our individual antics you can find me over at uh, twitter uh and instagram and letterboxd as at not the who's tommy and i also do some writing at both uh, mariani thomas.wordpress.com and uh, over on film-cred.com and i am on the twitter and instagram at atom or adam that's a-t-o-m underscore o-r underscore a-d-a-m and i am also on letterboxd if you want to find me on there at schwanson it's s-c-h-w-a-n-d-t-s-o-n and uh, for more of our silly antics audio wise you can subscribe to us on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher and other podcasting platforms if you're listening on eso why not dig into uh, all the other great shows on the network or you can even uh, outside of the eso network on our Podbean feed find all the episodes we did before this uh before we joined up with eso and you know if you can't buy the merch if you can't support us on the patreon monthly we understand but we just hope that you would help us for completely free by rating reviewing or sharing the show around because that gets us more visibility and it is literally literally the easiest thing to do in the world i mean it takes longer to refresh your Pornhub feed than it does to share our show so just help us out yes hopefully you do that after you're done with your Pornhub feed or during. I'm not kink-shaming. Well, that's true. If that's when you get off, too. Yeah, we shouldn't shame that. Of course not. But now, Adam, it's time we do our picking for next week before we end the show. And uh, we got some uh, another interesting topic to do here. 
for uh, next week because there's a third Conjuring movie coming out. We'll be uh, doing the Conjuring series, one of the more popular modern horror franchises. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'd argue it's a very mixed bag when it comes to the Conjuring franchise. And I don't know about you, but I fucking hate the subtitle for the third one. What, The Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It? Yeah, I do not like it. I don't know why. I do not like it. It doesn't help also that it has that franchise problem where it's like, hey, we did Conjuring, Conjuring 2, and then Conjuring subtitle instead of 3. Just like, stay consistent, guys. Just do Conjuring 3. I completely agree. Yes, but, you know, we're still going to do two movies related to that particular topic. Uh, You have the two good movies this time. I have the two bad. We've each assigned uh, those picks of ours in between 1 and 10. And uh, we're going to end up picking each other's picks here. Like, it's just our good and bad features. So, for your two good ones, Adam, I'm going to pick, you know, in honor of the new movie, three. Okay. At number two, I have one that I haven't seen yet, but... uh... Heard it's pretty good from your mouth and a lot of other people. I have the second Annabelle film, Annabelle Creation. Oh, great. Yeah, I'd say that's probably the best of the spinoffs. Yeah, because the first one's, uh, oh, I don't know, dog shit. Yeah. Horrible. Horrible movie. And then I had, uh, at number 10, the OG Conjuring, the first one, which I think is the best overall out of all of them. Yeah, I would say the two Conjurings are pretty solid. First one's better. I would still agree with that as well. But now, Adam, for my two bad choices, number between one and two. Oh, shit. This is a fucking clusterfuck, no matter what. I. uh, uh, (laughs) Uh, We'll go with nine. Number nine. All right. Well, at number eight. I have, um, what I've heard is at least one of the worst ones. I've seen it recently, and I would controversial maybe say it is not the worst, but it's still pretty down there. I have another one of the spinoffs. I have The Nun. You fucking motherfucker. <laughs> you motherfucker. I hate that movie so much. It is pretty bad. We'll definitely be talking a lot about that, but to be fair, uh, we could have been stuck with over all the way at number one, I had the first Annabelle. Oh, good lord. Uh, well, I mean, I knew it was going to be bad either way. and uh, It's almost as if I okay. had the two bad choices. It's almost this is what you walked into. Yeah, but sometimes you'll pick one, and I'm like, eh, that's okay. Yeah, no, th- th- there, there is no okay in these. Like, if they're bad, they're bad. I mean, I would argue La Llorona is the most okay. Like, it's fine. I'll, I'll, okay, I'll agree. I'll agree with that. But there's I'll not agree. a lot to talk about. She's like, it's fine. <laughs> it's whatever. <laughs> it's a movie <laughs> that came out. Um, also isn't as related to the Conjuring franchises either of these two spinoffs we're going to be talking about next time. So until then, everybody, uh, Adam and I have some pottery to do. Oh, my darling. Don't sing anymore because we will get sued. Yo, nobody listens. <laughs> Lawyers will listen. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Bye.
this has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.